Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're in Jordan on the Starline by a Miami rock band. The evolution of the band started as What You Know, then morphed into 5800, and finally where we are today. We welcome Joey, Ricky, Nick, and Yang, better known now as Better Strangers. Hey, hey man, thanks hey. for having us on. Friends, let's go beyond Mike. Your song, Nicotine Dreams, is based on a traumatic experience. How did the initial telling of your friend's story inspire the song and change you? Uh, yeah, so with that one, it was two years ago when we wrote that. I went to school uh, and I had a friend, was an emergency dispatcher, and she received a call from a group of friends who had uh, found their friend and he had taken his own life. At the time, she was pretty young, maybe like 19 or 20, I think. And so me being around the same age, I could see how affected she was by the entire situation. I was also going through my own thing. So I, I think in, in some way I sort of related with the sadness that came with it. We were heavy in, in writing in general, and I, I think it just that story just find itself into the song and it was very easy to kind of just let it out through that music's in your soul it has to be you're traveling around the world nick what's one story from the road that shocked you from this last year i mean you go from protocols not being able to play to going out and having fun again that passion of the music is back yeah i mean it was weird because like better strangers as like you know this band you know, formed mid-COVID, like mid-pandemic, which worked out because Ricky lives in Texas, so he was getting $50 flights, you know what I mean? It was super convenient financially, but we just couldn't play any shows. And then in like July of 2021, we could finally just go out and play. And I think like it was, you know, it, it's different to like a big arena band, which, you know, they've all got their protocol. And for us, it's just like, you're just trying to get from point A to point B. And I mean, if there was any ever a time that we would have gotten COVID, it would have been on like on that first tour because it was just like, you know, right. Like we, you know, all just been vaccinated. And then we're just like back at like grimy pubs and, and clubs and stuff. But I think like, I don't know, the most hardcore thing where like COVID was completely out of the question was in April, we went to Texas. Obviously Ricky is based there, which is why it kind of worked out. And there was some, you know, like some people that that we all kind of knew, but we had to drive from Miami, which was like a 22 hour drive and just the show after show, of <laughs> just the nonstop getting two hours of sleep, skipping dinner. Yeah. Like not eating. And then like, like we were at our weakest as like, you know, like health wise. Oh, yeah. um, so it was definitely intense. That's probably like the, the most hardcore experience we've ever done. Like was that Texas run. Let's introduce the band to you. Who are you and what do you do in better strangers? I'm Yang. I play bass. I'm Nick. I play drums. I'm Joey. I play the guitar. I'm Ricky. I sing. Joey, what's one thing about Ricky we don't know? (laughs) (laughs) One Uh, thing that you don't know is that Ricky isn't actually his name. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Ricky's like, why did you say that? (laughs) It was supposed to be a secret. Thank you, Nick. Ricky, what's one thing about Yang we don't know? Sucks at ping pong. <laughs> yeah. He, he really wants to be a dad. <laughs> a curveball, you know? Yang, what's the one thing about Nick we don't know? Uh, he's really bad at ping pong. <laughs> and Nick, what's the one thing about Joey we don't know? Oh, man. Joey's kind of an open book, man. That his dad has some great caps. <laughs> no, but no, that he... Everybody um, knows that. 
I don't know. I, I, what is something that 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 we don't know about Joey? Um, that Joey has two oh. two of the most beautiful dogs I've ever seen in my life. That is Max. True. What kind of dogs do you have, Joey? Um, I have two huskies. I have one who's two years old. Um, he's all white with blue eyes, and then we just got a puppy. He's about eight weeks old, who's black and white. It's Joey, Ricky, Nick, and Yang, better known as Better Strangers Beyond the Mic. As Ricky's in Texas, the rest of the band's in Miami. How does being a band in two different states work? I mean, it's like, it, it obviously depends. I mean, like when we have to do stuff at the end of the day, like when we need to do something like rehearse or record, um, Ricky will fly over and, you know, we, we've got a, you know, kind of our home base here and like the HQ where we just kind of do everything. We record and rehearse everything here. But like as far as like writing the music, it's worked out okay because since me, Yang, and, and Joey are all in the same place, we get to still play the, the songs like instrumentally and try to come up with stuff. Because I think if one of us wasn't here, it would be tricky because you can't actually play, you know, especially for us, it's just three instruments. You can't, you know, play without the guitar or without the bass or the drums. So we, you know, the way we've kind of gone about it is that, you know, we get together all the time and we'll write you know some instrumental material and and music and then send that over to ricky he'll kind of take a listen if he likes it then we'll kind of go back and forth over like a structure and kind of a general idea of the song and then he'll go in and take the you know write the lyrics on top of it and then when we're all together which you know happens you know relatively often like it's not like you know we don't see ricky for like months on end you know so like we do get to be a band and obviously when you're on tour you're all together 24 7 so this is just like i mean like we're lucky that we live in a, a day and age where you can just facetime or you just can have a group chat or zoom or whatever because we get to you know get stuff done but yeah i mean it's like it, it's kind of worked out like we just kind of because of covid and just from now it's just kind of normal to us how did the pandemic change the band as a whole um i think the one of the biggest things is that before we were writing songs in the studio we were recording them in the studio and everything was done just with us listening to it. And then once we started playing live, we could really see how the crowd was interacting with certain songs. Our songwriting has kind of sh been shaped in a way where we, we can kind of tell when a song, like what a song is that purpose going to do. You know what I mean? There's some songs that are going to be like an intense mosh song. There's going to be the, the sad songs. And like we kind of learn how to like move a crowd with our music. You have so many influences in your songs. You have softer songs, rocking songs. Different people react to different things. Why do crowds react so easily to your music? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it depends. I mean, it's a good thing for, for like, you know, for us, like the music and the, the songs we write. Since you, you know, as you mentioned, since there's like so many different inspirations and it's kind of coming from all over, we like to think that, you know, the songs kind of offer something to everybody in that room, like, you know, a rocker, then like, you're going to like this. But people that aren't into rock necessarily, but like listen to hip hop, there's there's a factor there that you can relate to or that you can appreciate. And I think that kind of goes for like, you know, a few genres. I think the cool thing, you know, the set is usually pretty dynamic and it can get heavy, like very heavy rock and more progressive. But then it can also be way more psychedelic and chill. And I think that also is like the more we've been on the road and the more we've just been playing for people, you just gauge what your sound is a bit more because you know what works and what doesn't. And just like piggybacking off what Yang said, like a lot of the songs that we were writing during COVID, you know, were overcomplicated because, and not like in a way of like actual musicality. I just mean that like you just end up putting a bunch of layers because you're in the studio and you have time to do that and you can put a bunch of stuff. But then when you go and play it live, you can't replicate it. 
And I think that definitely like was a big lesson for us is like, you know, now like the, the songs have to be able to translate live and live is almost like the workshop for seeing what works and what doesn't. Yeah. You end up realizing you don't need 75 guitar tracks on, on a song. Yeah. You're good with like three or four. <laughs> so whose idea was a 75th guitar track? <laughs> I will put my Take a guess. <laughs> the guitarist. <laughs> I had a feeling. How do your sets change from venue to venue? I mean, do you play a different set from the Isle of Wight to a small bar set? Yeah, for sure. We kind of know how different audiences are going to react. And depending on what type of show we're playing, uh, we'll kind of adjust to that. But I think all of us collectively don't want to always be playing the same set every show. Yeah. I mean, um, and it kind of keeps it fun. Yeah. But there are sometimes like if we're doing a certain run of shows at similar venues in a few different cities or like a small tour or something. It maybe by the second or third night we'll probably figure out us the best set to do, and then we'll kind of stick with that for the rest of the shows or something. That's what we did on our first tour. We yeah. took out some songs that that just you know. It got, took us about three shows to yeah, figure out. There were what certain was, songs we'd play and people would leave, and we we're like, let's not do that. <laughs> I don't know. Let's never ever play that song. Yeah, because yeah, like the Florida, the first time we did the Florida run was wasn't Jacksonville like the actual first show or something. Well, it was and like the we, first. It was the first actual, but we had played two before that that yeah. weren't originally supposed to be on the on the schedule. Right. So we played. We had this cover. As soon as we started playing it, literally the the room cleared out, and so, so we were like never doing that again. And so, it, but it, you know, it's it's that type of stuff where you, you just gotta just gotta learn. <laughs> yeah. Ricky, which songs always find their way on the set? I mean, if we play one, two, three, we know we'll have the crowd going. I think about it a little differently. I think for me, it's more important that the songs that actually make it to the set are the songs that we're either trying to promote or that we have out or that are about to come out because I guess I'm always trying to think about it from a business slash marketing perspective. But I know like, we complement each other in that way because I know the guys are a bit sometimes want to think more about the feel and the vibe and how it's going to feel when we play this song next to this other one. So if you ask me, the songs that have to make it in the set are the songs that we have out. But that's not the same across the board, if that makes sense. Yeah, forward moving. Joey, what song are you lobbying for? It, it's usually unreleased stuff. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, the, the stuff that's out is great, but I always want to play like the new stuff that we have because that's like that's where my head is at, you know. Nick, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of the same, like kind of the same as both Joe and Ricky. Like I totally like, I'm always like, hey, look, we've just put out the song. We got to play it. It's, it's this weird thing because by the time you fin, by the time you've released a song, you've listened to the mix 30,000 times. You've listened to the master. And the last thing you want to do is play it live, but you just kind of have to, because you've, you know, you put it out. Like I remember we, you know, we just, the last show we played was a release party for nicotine dreams. And like, that was the last song we wanted to play on that set list. You know what I mean? Because like, there's so much new stuff and you're just immersed in that world of just listening to it. But yeah, definitely on release of it. Actually, our first, you know, our original first single, which we just made available back up on, on streaming. It was actually like the music was like audition tapes when we were looking for a singer. It's kind of crazy that it still makes its way into our set. But I've always tried to like, encourage it to be in the set and i finally i finally kind of got my way the last few yeah. shows <laughs> the song is called lies by the way i know lies and i'm about to bring them up in a second but i don't want to leave out yet <laughs> i think our new stuff really captures what we are as a band a little bit better or 
or just more than than the songs we have out now. And not not to say the songs we have out now are great. I love them. It's just that these new this new batch of of, of material we have it really feels uh, unique and I guess like cohesive. Like it's all like one sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are certain parts of songs where you know they're gonna kill live. Like there's like there was this there's this like section from a new song which before the whole song was written, we were throwing it at the end of different songs because we knew like we were ending sets like that because we just knew that like that was the best way we could end it. And I think the more, the more you just play to different audiences, the more you kind of gauge like what songs are really working. I mean, and even, even to the point where like, you know, just, just recently we played and we closed with a song and it was like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't close with that song and we should, you know, change it up or, or whatever. And I think you keep learning. And when, when you premiere like brand new songs live and they go down well, that's like the best thing that could happen. Like we were so, we literally did that just, you know, the most recent show and we were scared because it was like, the song was like seven and a half minutes or whatever it was. And we were just like, you know, we, we were just expecting all the kids to just be like, all right, I've, I don't know if I'm going to walk out, but it went down great. Yeah. And so that was like good for us and encouraging that the new material is kind of working out. It's Joey, Ricky, Nick, and Yang, also known as Better Strangers Beyond the Mic. And friends, it's time for the Rocky Nate. Eight random questions answered with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. Since we have four guests... Everyone's going to get two questions. Ricky, who's the neat freak of the band? Nick. Nick. Right there. Easy. (laughs) Yang, what's one thing you like to do by yourself to allow yourself to focus before a show? Um... I like I like <laughs> I like to I like to sit down at the green room and drink two local IPAs and that that gets me show ready. Very nice. Nick, what was your first drum set and do you still have it? It's a, it was a Gretsch. Actually no, it wasn't a Gretsch. It was like a a uh, a crappy blue drum set. I don't have it with me now, but I know it's still it's in storage in back in Switzerland where I grew up. Joey which band is better, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, Led Zeppelin, Pearl Jam, or the Jimi Hendrix Experience? Led Zeppelin is the greatest band of all time. So, besides Tool, of course. But <laughs> no, no, no. Led Zeppelin is the greatest band of all time. But I would say Jimi Hendrix is a personal favorite, and the Chili Peppers. I mean, I'm wearing a Chili Pepper shirt right now. Well, I saw the the Chili Pepper shirt. Threw that one in at the last minute. Yeah, Ricky. What's your favorite album of all time? Um, <laughs> that's not yours. That's good. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, sheesh. I'm going to go ahead and say that an album that I really listen, that I come to, I come back to a lot, different points, is I think, I'm pretty sure it's uh, self-titled by Angus and Julia Stone. It's kind of folky, but a good record. Yeah. Yang, who's the best bassist of all time that isn't you? Yang. Justin Chancellor from Tools. (laughs) Joey, what's the last thing you bought from a secondhand store? Uh, Probably a jacket or something. Yeah, a jacket. Nick, what's the best gift you ever got from your dad? Oh. Now, other than life, I always hear life. I Um, mean, come on. What's the best gift other than life? My first drum set, for sure. Now, everyone gets to answer this, but Nick. <laughs> What's your least favorite Bill Collins <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best drummer that doesn't have the last name Collins? Bonham. Danny Carey. Danny Carey. Joey's right. It's for sure Bonham. Yeah. Neil Part too, up there. I personally really like, 
Ah, Ronnie from The Killers. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app. It's time for the back half with Joey, Ricky, Yang, and Nick of Better Strangers Beyond the Mic. You've played in clubs, festivals around the world, but where's your favorite place to play? My favorite place to play would have to be Laredo, Texas, for sure, as of right now. Uh, I would say um, Kona Skate Park in Jacksonville, Florida. Because they just like they tore it apart over there. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with Ricky. It'd be Laredo for me. I'm gonna stick true to our home base, Gramps. <laughs> Gramps in Miami, Winwood. What's the biggest challenge for you today as a band and individually? Um, I think is is finding the right balance between doing everything that you need to do, like personal life wise, and then also you know, putting in time with the band because as you get older, responsibilities just just start kind of stacking up. But you you still just want to just do music, period. I think that's what I probably find the the hardest is just managing everything because I have pretty poor organization uh, in terms of, of everything that's going on. So that's me. I mean, the biggest obstacle I think we face as a band is, like, just getting shit done, getting everyone to, like, agree, you know, getting all four of us to agree and, like, be able to move forward on stuff. I mean, it just it just takes us a while. Yeah, we well, we all share similar opinions, but we also always kind of, like, there's different perspectives. Yeah, so there's always some sort of area where we have to, like, sort of work it out and then figure it out. Yeah, I think for us, it's, like, Straight up, it's it's a it's a marketing thing. Like that's the hardest thing uh, being in a band, yeah. especially for, for us. Like I'd much rather just show up, write the songs, play the songs, yeah. and go play shows. That is the easy stuff. But it's marketing everything from shows to singles to yourself to TikToks to like you know stuff that I've you know never done or don't know how to do. That's what's hard in it. Just you know the more time goes on and the more society just kind of keeps evolving, it's harder and harder to just you know, for it to really just be about the, the music, it's always about, there's always got to be something that you got to figure out on how to, you know, take it to that kind of next level. And that's something that I think every band is trying to figure out, especially after COVID, because like COVID came around and, and it, it everything just changed completely. Like you didn't have to play a bunch of shows to blow up. You have, you know, bands that are like had never played a live show and they've got millions of streams on Spotify or something, you know what I mean? So I think that, and then on a personal level, I think it's kind of like a bit with of what Ricky said. It's like just, you know, figuring stuff out with your personal life and, you know, just your actual stuff that you have to do and still being able to put more than 100% into the band, you know, being able to be all in all the time and still having the time to to just do your own thing as well and, you know, just be able to live and just operate normally. Yeah, I think I think our biggest challenge as a band is just getting fans <laughs> at the end of the day like we <laughs> making music that people like we uh we we definitely feel like we have we have the potential and every time we we play live and we see people move it's like we kind of get that acknowledgement of like okay we could do this but then we look at our spotify and and you know those numbers aren't representing that so i think that's that's probably the biggest the biggest thing for me and then on a personal note 
I mean, yeah, it's kind of the same thing, but I feel like all of us, we want to do this thing uh, forever so badly. It's difficult when, like, you know, your mom, your mom or someone is telling you to go do something and you're like, no, mom, I want to play some rock. You know? <laughs> now, how have you evolved from lies to nicotine dreams? Lies was was, I think, the either the first or second song we ever kind of had together as a unit right and i remember you know writing that song and everything it was it was a very it was challenging because i i like they didn't know how i wrote also i i think my the way i wrote and what i wrote about started evolving too but at first it was weird because it, it it was almost like here's what i'm bringing to the table and you're having to kind of prove yourself, right, for the whole group. But I think by the time, because then lies happened, and then we wrote an entire EP, which we took down, and then we started writing more songs, and then by the time Nicotine Dreams came out, I think I was already comfortable with being a part of the band and, and, and having my own corner in, in, in the music, and I think they were comfortable enough with me. So that's why I think, like, lyrically... It, it, there's way more substance in a song like Nicotine Dreams and Lies at the very beginning. I think that's probably the biggest difference for me. I mean, at least in terms of me, I feel like we, we've we learned to, we, we kind of know how, how each member reacts now to certain parts. And we learn how to like allow other people to have their space and have their part while still doing something that like on bass specifically, like, I'll do something that, you know, sometimes you do a boring bass part, but I feel like I've tried learning how to complement what Joey and Nick play while still keeping it kind of entertaining for me or something that like I'm proud to say is something that I've written. And I feel like we've all learned how to do that with Ricky now even more, just kind of knowing where our music fits in with his vocals. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say the biggest evolution is probably between like a song like Nicotine Dreams and where we are now if that makes sense. I think like that's like where our music has really changed. So in like, I think that'll, I think like that'll be easy to hear in the stuff that's going to come, you know, next. Yeah. It's it's hard to, because like, I think for sure from lies to nicotine dreams, I think the songwriting has evolved, but also, yeah, just our chemistry as the four of us, because like Ricky said, like, I mean, lies was written in like 20, 19 like mid 2019 as far as like the music and so we spent like ages without a singer just with that in the bank and then so you know when ricky came it was like you know he was just writing something on top of it whereas every song after that everybody's had a say in what's going on and and how how it's writing and obviously it's hard to pinpoint the evolution when nicotine dreams is, is essentially a song that's almost two years old at this point as far as like when it was written so the newer stuff is is definitely tapping into more of making sure that it's it makes sense to a listener but also where for us as musicians it's and i'm and for ricky as well as as a singer it's entertaining for for ourselves like you know in personal satisfaction with your parts and also that i think our sound as a, you know as a, as a unit has definitely been more dialed in now with some of the newer stuff, like everybody kind of know, like at least for us, like we know what kind of band we are, what we want to be. And I think that wasn't the case when we were writing the EP back in like, you know, uh, during COVID in 2020. Guys, why is better strangers the band for today? That's a great question. 
I mean, you can spit and hit a band. I mean, you can spit and hit a podcast. Why is Better Strangers the perfect band for today? I think I think we have a very bold proposal. Even I struggle with it only because it's so far from what I hear in you know in, in, in radio right now that it scares me. But I have to snap myself back to it in terms of, well, this is why it's a bold proposal and why it could work. I just think that what we bring to the table for a band in this era is very bold. I don't really hear a lot of bands attempting what we attempt. It's just, and, and maybe not so much with Nicotine Dream, but for example, the new music that is being written, it's very interesting. It's aggressive but it's also very moody, but it is also, you can dance to it, but there's also other parts where you can't dance to it uh, because of a certain time signature, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> of certain somebody who's trying to... <laughs> yeah. No, but, but it, it's, it's fast. It's like, I mean, there's, but there's parts where you totally can, you know, and, 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 you, can, and you can go off and, and, and mosh and, and, and feel energy, and you can go to the gym and listen to the song, but that same, because it happens to me, and the same song that you're listening to at the gym is the same song that will put you on your ass because you're feeling sad that day. So I, it, it's kind of hard in, to, to pinpoint, but I think for me it's so bold that that's why I think it could work. Well, I, I mean, my answer kind of piggybacks off of Ricky's in that, like, honestly, I think what makes us so unique and interesting is that we just don't really give a shit about genre or category or anything like that. At the end of the day, we just kind of take the best parts of like our influences and like what we like and sort of mash them together. But I think we've gotten good at mashing them together in a way that like sounds cohesive and kind of makes sense. And like Ricky was saying, there really is something for everybody, whether you want to dance or not, or whether like you want to listen to the lyrics. I mean, or if you like really technical and interesting music, we like to throw that in there too. I mean, lately the stuff we write is very prog influence and has a lot of weird time signatures and, and polyrhythms and stuff like that but then ricky will put a vocal part over it that's just absolutely heartbreaking and extremely catchy that it, it almost doesn't matter how weird we can make it because ricky always brings yeah, it, back. it back someone can still enjoy it yeah and I, I think for us like having heroes and like idolizing people growing up like whether that was like the chili peppers or the first time i heard led zeppelin or even now going through it when we're all like, you know, totally writing tool, right? When we keep mentioning them in, in every like other question. And I think all that comes down to is that just there's this certain thing of, you know, not, of wanting to do music that we think people like, but that also you enjoy doing. A lot of the time now in like the industry, it's like you want to write a song that sounds like this because that's worked and that's what's selling on the radio. We were totally doing that. And I think that was kind of par partially, you know, a bit of our issue with like the EP that, that Ricky had mentioned earlier. It's just like, it wasn't us. And I think at this point, there's a way more definitive sound. And again, it's weird to mention it because there's is a lot of this is based on the new songs that we're writing now and that we're hoping to put out, you know, in the coming weeks slash months. But there's a way more definitive thing that we all kind of know what each other do. And like now it's to the point of like, if we write something that's really weird, super whatever, proggy or whatever it is, I know that like it'll be fine in the end because Ricky's going to like write something that's going to bring it back. Like, you know, I mean, there is no now we all kind of know where each of us kind of stand. We put all the pressure on him. Yeah, <laughs> just from to make it acceptable. Yeah, but just from like spending so much time and just knowing what we all listen to 
and just always expanding what we're into and, and our influences. I think that's the biggest thing. And I, and you know, at the end of the day, it's music that is supposed to be for not just one niche group of people. And there's no gimmick. There's nothing. It's like, these are the songs. These are us playing them for real. There's no behind it. It's like, these are the songs. This is what we do. And yeah, there's no kind of, there's no face paint. There's no outfits. It's just like us. And I think, and I think now, especially after COVID, like people kind of need a bit more of that. When people listen to the new stuff, what makes you nervous? It's kind of crazy because I I don't get nervous listening, like showing people our new music now. Why? I feel like I'm so confident in it at this point. There was there was a period of time where like I you know you we wouldn't share the EP before it was released. You know I don't know why, and we would all feel like no we can't we can't release it yet. You know it's not it's not out yet. And now it's like, dude, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know what I mean? Like, let's just send it out. And if it blows up and it gets leaked and it gets massive, you know, like big whoop, you know? (laughs) And I feel like now I'm so okay with just sending out the tracks just because I know they sound good and I know the songs are good and I feel like people will connect with them. I think it's also a song to song thing. There's some songs that you just super, you just kind of know when you're comfortable, like people are going to like this for sure. But like I was saying, that that long song that we played at the first time that at just at this recent show, like for some reason I was super nervous to play that. Not because I thought we weren't gonna play it well, because I you know we rehearsed it enough times where it'd be an issue if we couldn't get it right. But we it was just like it was just so different, and I was like, man, these all these kids are just gonna be like, dude, this sucks, and just walk out. And I, I'm pretty sure I had like this dream about it like the night before, but it went down great. So I think I think now I'm kind of chilling for for the most part. There's always a song that you're the most protective of. It may be because of a guitar solo, a, a drum, a bass line. Which is it for each of you? There's a song that we've that we've had for a for a while that we usually start our start our shows with. It's called Fuse, and that song for me is is it's one of those that like I feel like it has to be there. I love performing it for whatever reason. I don't know. It makes it hits something I think in my brain and body to where it feels really good to to sing it. Uh, so for sure, I, I, to me, I think it's one of those to what because I feel like every band goes through, through phases, and because I talk to other other bands and, and friends that are in bands that go through the whole process of like you have songs that are are in stack for so long that when it's actually time to put them out you're like i don't even know if i like this song anymore but for whatever reason i feel very protective about that song specifically like it's one of those where i i need to make sure that it sees the light of day at some point because i love it mine's actually the song nick was talking about that was really scared to play now that we played it once at a show and it went down really well i'm always going to advocate advocate for that song because it's just my favorite of what we have so far. The working title right now is called Secure the Homestead. But that's it's, a not working, what it's a working title. It's, a working title. it's kind of... So a, working on it. Yeah. It's, it's a joke. It's a kind of a joke, but it's like it's like a seven-minute song That's uh, it's got like a few different time signatures in it. Yeah, 9, no, 8, like, 15. Definitive chorus. Like, it's like, it's, it's not really like a... Yeah, it's not a conventional song structure. But honestly, it's the kind of song where I feel like it shows 
the what's great about every single member of this band. Like it really like everybody has the a part that's very you know yeah. it's very them. Everybody at their best, if that makes sense. And that's just why I love it so much. It doesn't matter if it's seven minutes or two minutes. If it's your favorite song, nothing nobody says can ever change your mind. Nick, what about you? I'll say one that's like in our set, and it'd be probably the um, the I spoke about an outro that we used to tag on to the end of like songs in the set. That part, it's a song in total now that it's been written, but that part specifically, like, has to be yeah. in anything. It's just like to me, it was one of those things that like when we did it and we wrote it. I was like, oh, man. It was just like the whole different perception of, of like what kind of music we could do. Um, it was a new thing for me, like as a drummer, of all the nerdy stuff. Like I had never played a double kick really before. And then all of a sudden I threw it in there and it was just like it was, it was the first time that like I had written a part around it. And so I'm super protective of that. But I think and just 13. Yeah, it isn't. It's in 13, which in is 13. You know, a bonus. Uh... Yeah. So. Which is great. I mean, and I, I didn't even have to know that because the riff would, you'd think the riff is, is in 4-4, four, four, which it is, feels so good, is yeah. criteria here. If a riff feels weird, it's kind of strange. But I think also, I, I'll, just for us to say a song that's out, I'm pretty protective, at least for the song in general, for Nicotine Dreams, because although it's not my favorite to play, it's five minutes and 40 seconds or something like that. It's a vibe and it's a slow build. And so, like, I'm protective about that one. Because to me, like, it's a song that you got to listen to the lyrics. It's a story. It's a constant progression. And when people don't have the patience for that because they just want the immediate hook about 30 seconds in, that pisses me off. So I'm protective about that song. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the, the same song that Ricky had said, that the that song Fuse that we have. Um, it was one of those songs where, like, we have, like, a two-minute a two guitar solo at the end. We have another guitar solo in the middle and it's so like every time we play it, it's like we start and it's like okay show has started and and it's just like that feeling that i get every time when we play it it kind of never goes away now when i managed a band in the 90s they had a song that started out as the warm-up riff that turned into their song red it just kind of motivated pushed them up got them going and so that makes perfect sense for me why has rock changed for the better and for the worse in the last 10 years Ricky's smiling, so he's got to have an answer. I, it's funny because I, I, I was smiling more because it's like, I know the other three have so much to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> to me, dude, to me, I, the, thing, the, the reality is I listen to a lot of today's music too. But the today's music that I listen to is not the music that's on the radio, but everything that's under the radar. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that to be like, I'm cool. I listen to like music nobody knows. But at the end of the day, it's like, I, you know, it's those bands that are kind of like at, a, at our level that I find the most fun. Like this week or this last week, I stumbled upon a band called White Lung. And they're just like this like punk, mostly girl band. I, I feel like nobody really knows about, I don't even know if they exist still because they haven't put out anything to, it's like, since 2016. And I didn't even write. I didn't even start writing music until like 2018, 20 around that time. So to me, it's like wow, it, it's that type of, of band. Like they're they're doing rock, and I think it's like great, right? So so I don't know. I I, I can't say. Maybe in terms of what's socially accepted or, or seen as rock, I think that's a problem, right? But there's there's great bands making music nowadays, man. So I I can't really sit here and say that like. It's all gone to issue, you know? 
but maybe they'd see it another way. I don't know. I, I yeah. think since COVID, it's, it's, it's been kind of slowly coming up a little bit. I, I mean, to me, it, it's like th there's two ways of looking at it. I would say most of the music that's good now isn't necessarily straight up rock music. I mean, especially, it's, it's definitely not mainstream rock music. I feel like most of, of, of what you, if you look at mainstream rock artists, most of them are, they kind of use like that genre as like a, as like a gimmick, you know what I mean? To like dress a certain way and act a certain way. Kind of, I guess they kind of trick audiences into thinking that they are something that they aren't necessarily. And honestly, it's like, it just, it feels very gimmicky and it feels very cheap, which I think is part of why, like when I said I don't really, we don't really give it about genre, it's because I think most of the bands that ever did anything really significant or made any sort of difference um, in music, they didn't never willingly categorize themselves into something for the sake of, of becoming popular if that makes sense. I feel like I see a lot of now, especially like on social media, it's like bands of all levels or like artists of all levels willingly conform to like genre standards, like really hard, get attention for themselves. And that's the kind of rock music that's like going on right now that I really don't like. But like Riggy said, a lot of the stuff that's more underground is, is, is probably where like the really good stuff is. And before you answer that, White Lung has her final album and it's releasing December 2nd. Are you serious? Premonition. Wow, that's almost, that's really weird that like if they just announced nine hours ago, because I went into their Instagram when I saw them last week and there was nothing there. So, that's about us. Final album. They're done, Ricky. Yeah. I mean, that's sad, but hell yeah. <laughs> Nick, what are your thoughts on rock growing up around it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I'll, I'll caveat with like what I'm going to say is that I think things have changed after COVID. I think there's definitely more of a, of a, of a desire to want to go out and see bands and to, to, you know, listen to rock music and, you know, like mosh or whatever, whatever it is. But I think in general, like it's totally, you know, as far as like the genre, really probably at a all time low as far as what it means, because like there's no other genre that has become like what rock is right now. Like it's it, what Joey said, it's a bit cheap and, and, and it, I don't know, 2020 happened and like everybody thought they could just start doing rock music, like everybody, like MGK. My point is that it just pop punk and that culture became like almost like a trend and it yes. wasn't sincere. And I think the biggest thing about rock music is it's supposed to be sincere and I don't want to sound all like cheesy and, and lame and stuff, but it's supposed to be about like the emotions and like, if it's aggressive, it's cause you're pissed off. If it's, if it's, and, and it, and it became to the point where like what it became was like a nostalgia trip off to what the actual good stuff used to be. So you either had people who were dressed like they were straight out of the nineties and looked like smashing pumpkins, or you have bands that are dressed like Led Zeppelin sounding like Led Zeppelin and that's what they do. So I think no shade at no, any particular yeah, band. Do with that information what you will. But if, at but, all. If any, but if any of these bands want to bring us on tour, we'll be there. You know, yeah, like, for sure. All, all, all what I'm saying goes out the window. I won't come, but we'll we'll do the tour for sure. <laughs> like we, you guys can get a replacement if there's a problem with me. But I just think that like at least now there's people that are there's definitely more of a, a desire to do that. I totally sense that since we started playing shows that people want to see bands again. And it's awesome to see like 
young people listening to like Deftones and bands like that. It's like, wow, like you guys are listening to some real stuff yeah. and that's awesome. And there's good bands now too, like Turnstile. Like yeah, Turnstile are great. Yeah, Turnstile. But he, and, and, I, and like Royal Blood, I think totally yeah. changed the game for modern rock bands because they made a, something new that was good. And I think it'd been a while since anybody had kind of done that. Yeah, I, I think bands like Turnstile are totally like kind of opening up the floodgates because people are now listening to them, listening to their early albums, which are like hardcore punk. And they they like that, you know what I mean, and they're they're moshing to it. And I feel like we, I feel like that's like our, I feel like that's our crowd. We we want the moshers, but we also want the people who are gonna start crying, you know what I mean. And like it's like a mix of that. And I I think Turnstile are are, are doing a great job, uh, kind of switching back to something that's like original and different. But like Nick said, I mean Royal Royal Blood is you know seven years old, eight years old now. And like just now they're starting to perform like really, really big, big stuff. And I mean, from 2015, Mike Kerr as the bass player, like totally changed the game. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like every, every decade of rock that came, there was always something about that, that then transformed uh, like the rest of the decade. You know what I mean? So it's like you had, you know, the, the Beatles and Zeppelin that did the whole seventies thing. And then you had, you know Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and Chili Peppers that that did the 90s thing and people are like stuck in the 2000s right now and <laughs> and it's it's a matter of kind of breaking that seal to it's yeah it's just like it's just like breaking it to so that people now be like okay this is real like this feels real and it's not it's not just like every other yeah thing. i think it's, 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 it's yet to have something that's like oh wow this is a new thing they've done to this genre because like the best thing about rock is still in the 90s right now yeah like everything that's been good since then is just kind of an iteration of what was good back then so and i think it's just like every genre like hip-hop has like completely evolved every single decade every even pop music like i wouldn't maybe say evolved but like pop has like changed every single thing and there's something why you know the reason why kids listen to it now there's a reason why most kids don't listen to like rock for the most part because like the the bands that are on radio are all you know super old and there's nothing fresh and new that they can be yeah. like wow and it's, that's what I want to do and it's not relatable because then because then a lot of the bands now are singing about the same things that bands in the 70s sung about that kids don't shoot about <laughs> and like don't make sense to them there's no there's no relatability there so like yeah. I think what what needs to happen is rock needs to stop being like a weird nostalgia trip and just like do something interesting. Who's the most competitive of the band? Oh, I don't even know. Um, are we talking ping pong? Are we talking- <laughs> <laughs> so who's the most competitive in ping pong and who's the best? Okay, well, Yang's most competitive, Nick is the best. <laughs> Thank you. That's just that's just what I would is. say that Ricky's pretty competitive. When we do our four-way ping pong, like Ricky, oh, yeah, Ricky's taking true. the shirt off, he's throwing paddles across the room. Yeah. Like it gets serious. Yeah, yeah. I, I would serious. say Ricky's it doesn't, pretty it doesn't competitive. Mean it, does, it doesn't make me any better. <laughs> but the passion is there for sure you know i think i think joe joe you're you're like probably the, like as far as like sports and or whatever like you're the least not, competitive not competitive you like care. you're just chilling you're, you're you're i was never a sports guy yeah but i i, I mean also like in games and stuff yeah, yeah i they just don't care who would be the band that would be your dream opening for hold it joey um there's probably a ginormous list but I think a tour that would be fun as hell would either be, but I'm, I'd be afraid almost to meet them in case they they're they're just too cool. But Queens of the Stone Age for sure. I, I feel like it would be my answer. Such yeah. a vibe, yeah. man. Yeah. That's so, the tour. Yeah. yeah, I think Queens and Nine Inch Nails, at least for me, are like the 
cool, cool band. That like I, I feel like we could do it. You know what I mean? Like, Tool is such another level. You know, of that it's, like fans and and, and yeah, like, yeah. If you're not Tool, they're gonna like get sick. I think Queens of Stone Age for sure. I think Queens of Stone Age would be. Part I, I like honestly like getting like we've said this like I forgot when when else we spoke, but getting validation from Josh Homme and and I mean you mentioned Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor too. Like those two are like that's like. Despite them not like I, I love both of those bands, but they're not like my favorites. Their validation would mean so much more than like pretty much anybody else in the industry. Yeah. Okay, Joey, you can say Tool if you want to now. No, no, on, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we've had this conversation, and when you when Ricky was gonna answer, I knew he was gonna say Queens, and like yeah, I would probably have to agree with that yeah. because exactly what Nick said. I mean, there's something about I guess their music and like. Like, like, just like an integrity standpoint, his opinion matters to us. You know what I mean? Or their their opinion as a band matters to us. And we don't usually take like we don't really care much about other people's opinions. Yeah, but yeah, if Josh Homme said we sucked, I'd be like, guys, we got to go back to Let's the drawing board. <laughs> I, I feel really bad about it. It's time for one big question with the band that is better strangers beyond the mic. Every band has dreams. What's your one dream that will come true? That hasn't yet for each of you. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, and I. By the way, I love the way you phrase this question because it, it's like you cannot manifest it at this point, right? I uh, with with this answer, I really do think uh, or believe in my heart that I that music is is what I will be doing to feed my entire family. And so because of that, that I think, it, it seems like a pretty like stretched out goal. I think, I think that's, that's where I, that's where I gotta be, right? I think right now as a collective, we're waiting for, for us to knock on the right door for us to be able to, to, to do that. At least me personally, I think we're close. It's just, we're struggling to find the door that's going to give us the space to do so. Playing with Tool. <laughs> no, Ricky's answer. I, I mean, he pretty much said he pretty much said it all. I'll go more. I'll go more literal. What's going to be true and what's going to happen is we're going to play Wembley Stadium one day, and I'm going to say, shout out Sean for having us on Beyond the Mic um, back in 2022. I really appreciate that. Can't forget that. You forget that, like that. That's too that. That's too real. Like you, you gotta say it. So I, I we will for sure. <laughs> I'm from Argentina, and my dream is to play in Argentina, like uh, either one of the soccer stadiums there or or this venue called Luna Park, which I really like. Guys, how can people find you online? Our website is www.betterstrangers.net. Our Instagram is betterstrangers.wave, like W A V. We're on Twitter as if you just look up Better Strangers, you'll, you'll find us. It's a fucked up username, but we're there. We're on all social media. We're on Spotify, Better Strangers, Stream But Honor Your Name, Nicotine Dreams, Lies, Astones, B-Side just came out. Yeah. We're, we're everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, but just, don't, just like, I don't know, if you want to follow us on TikTok, please do, because we don't have that many followers on TikTok. But we're not good at it. We're not good at it. So good. just go on Instagram. We'll try. We'll try. All the info is on Instagram. Nick still has his first drum set in storage. Yang has to drink two IPAs before a set. Joey last bought a secondhand jacket. And Ricky, well, he loves playing in Texas. Their single is Nicotine Dreams. The band is Better Strangers. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you. And that, my friends, 
is Beyond the Mic. 